Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And this podcast is brought to you by Everything's Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Make sure to tune in on September 11th. We are talking about the episode Radio Bart with a special guest you may recognize. Hi, I'm Nancy Cartwright. And actually, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the (gasps) hell are you? Ah! We're so excited. This This is so good. This was one of our favorite episodes you've ever done. Mark your calendars. I don't know. You're probably already downloading it. What What is this life? Uh, September 11th, we are joined by, you already heard her, Nancy Cartwright. We're so excited. Please tune in. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. My name is Robert Patrick. I play Gary Tyson. That's Gary Tyson with an I in the film Last Rampage. Evil broke loose in 1978. Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the the things that you were drawn on. Of course, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know, get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story, like there, you know, the the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it. How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And, and the, the, the link that he was willing to uh, uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was, it was fascinating to me. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film. Hey, this episode of The X-Files Files is sponsored by Squarespace.com. Go to Squarespace.com slash X-Files Files for a free trial and 10% off. Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files. I'm Kamel Langiani. This episode will be covering uh, Conduit, which is episode four of season one. It's a pretty good episode. We're going to have Dan Harmon on, creator of Community and Rick and Morty, to talk about it. And a huge X-Files fan. So we talk, uh, in the beginning, we talk about his love of the X-Files, how he got into the show and stuff. And then we get into the nitty gritty of the episode. Um, this is a, you know, still an early podcast. So I'm still trying to figure out the format of it. Uh, after this episode, I think I'll be covering two episodes per uh, podcast podcast just so we have more to talk about and you know we can have sort of an episode like with conduit i would have loved to have done another episode that was a really really solid episode you know um but we didn't do that but the next episode i had ricky carmona on after dan Harmon's episode we have ricky carmona on and we talk about um uh, ghost in the machine and ice and ice is a really 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 fantastic episode probably uh, my favorite from season one. Well, I mean, my favorite standalone episode from season one. So that's a really great episode. And, um, you know, the p- response to this podcast has been so wonderful and overwhelming. And uh, people gave me great ideas for segments. So after this this episode, next, um, 
after this episode, we're going to start having uh, regular segments where we'll be talking about, um, you know, the ratings of the show and quotes from creator and uh, uh, creators and writers and stuff like that. Um, but this episode is more of a free-form discussion with Dan. If you're not familiar with Dan, get familiar with Dan. He has his own podcast called Harmontown on Feral Audio as well. It's a really fantastic podcast. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's amazing at storytelling. So it's a really, really interesting conversation getting into why he loves the X-Files and uh, why he loves this episode and what problems he sees with this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Please follow us at X-Files Files. Um, I do another podcast called The Indoor Kids. That's on the Nerdist Network. I do that with my wife, uh, Emily, Emily V. Gordon, and we talk about uh, video games uh, on that show. So follow that as well, please. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey, welcome to episode three of the X-Files Files. I'm Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, our guest tonight is Dan Harmon. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Hello. Do you want me to get rid of my golden doodle? There's some kind of giant life form attacking <laughs> me right now. He's adorable, very enthusiastic, he and huge. Yeah. That's uh, a little too much dog for your first dog. That is well, that is a lot of dog. And it came as, it looks like a small dog. A picture of that looks like it's much smaller than it is. Yeah. If you get a golden doodle, make sure you meet both of his parents. Like, is it, is it, <laughs> like, make sure it's one of those poodles that's small enough that the golden doodle will be manageable. Um, Dan Harmon, of course, creator of Community, and uh, Rick and Morty as well. Uh, both amazing shows. And Dan, so you have been a fan of The X-Files? You watched this show? Yeah, I, I, I jumped on board late. I think every cool show that I've ever seen, I was always late to it. I was late to The Simpsons. I was late to um, South Park. I was late to... I don't know, anything you could really name. I don't think I was ever on the ground floor. I'm one of those horrible viewers that gets shows canceled because I wait until America <laughs> tells me Silicon Valley is pretty good. And then I, uh, that's a bad example because that was on after Game of Thrones. But uh, the, the, the yeah, X-Files, I, I was already living in L.A., it had been on the air for years. Yeah. And I, I, I was, when I moved to LA, it was syndicated. It was coming on after the news on the Fox affiliate. And it was like Simpsons and X Files back to back, I think, um, mid to late 90s. And there just wasn't, we didn't have cable, I don't think. I think, or, oh, wow. Or we didn't have a good package. We just, we were just, I just watched Simpsons reruns and yeah. X Files reruns at night. Um, then there was also these th this uh, outtakes tape on VHS that I got of at the a X Files con convention, and that kind of turned me on to it too. I was like, I was like, wow, these these these. I don't know. It just 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 watching the outtakes made me want to watch the X Files. I think watching outtakes sort of gets you into whatever it's it a is. Great commercial. For yeah, that's actually not a new thing. Like that's why Star Trek took off. Star oh. Trek was virtually canceled before anyone even started watching it. Emily's a huge fan of the monkeys, and that show didn't test well. And then in the beginning of the episode, they added them just kind of talking to all the guys being themselves, uh -huh. and then people loved the show. Yeah. I mean, and this show, I mean, so much of it is the chemistry between the two leads, so I guess it makes sense that, that an outtakes one would show, you know, the, the the them sort of loving each other or whatever and being funny, because Mulder's a really funny guy. Yeah, watching them between takes, it's like, Duchovny just emanates this sexuality. <laughs> he really does! So much so that, that jokes are made about it, like the, the best episode of Larry Sanders is about, like, how Gary Shandling feels. <laughs> yeah, like he's being hit on. Yeah, yeah. you can't tell, because yeah. Duchovny kind uh, he's straight safe for man crushes. W women love him. Men can are fine with that. <laughs> Men would be okay being cornered by him in an elevator. I think like it's. I, I don't know. I, I if you listen to Harmon Town, I'm constantly using Duchovny as my tarot card for sexy guy. Like I don't say Tom Cruise. I say I say Duchovny. Oh yeah, no. There's something like sort of hollow about Tom Cruise. Duchovny feels lived in. Yeah. You know, he's a little rumpled. He's, he's the guy. He's he's yeah. He's the Mark Ruff Ruffalo of David Duchovny. So. Yeah, he really <laughs> is the Mark Ruffalo of David Duchovny. So you saw. Uh, we're gonna talk about episode four, Conduit. But in preparation, you watched the first four episodes. Had you ever seen them before? I want. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I got the box set. So it was the DVD era when DVDs were a new thing and Amazon was a new thing. I the first thing I got was all the X-Files episodes and definitely watched them all in order. Um Oh wow, so you did have, you've seen all of it. Yeah. And uh yeah, I so this morning I got up and I watched the first four cuz you're on the fourth and I wanted to 
be able to contextualize it. It's yeah. very interesting how in the very beginning of the show, the third episode in is their first Monster of the Week episode. Right. That's the one that introduces Tomb. Right? Yeah, and that's a pretty iconic bad guy. It's, he's, he's, he's the con of X-Files. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So they did a couple episodes with him afterwards. Yeah, so yeah. People wanted more Tombs, which is so funny because it's such a silly ability to be able to, to just do. stretch but it, yeah and it, but it's like that's that's great i mean con's a dumb idea for star trek but it's like you never you don't know it's ricardo Montalban. yeah uh, well i think the reason it works for the x-files is the first two and so much of the x-files is about Mulder not getting the evidence he needs and never being able to prove that he's right yeah. so a little bit in early on you had to give a little bit to him like clearly this guy is some sort of stretchy liver mutant guy <laughs> yes, i mean you, you do the fucking science he's right this time so you gotta give him his little victories you know like the the ufos and the aliens always get away but sometimes you find these weirdos yeah i i, I can't remember how long they kept with it it's really admirable i watching the pilot just get you know just looking at it through the eyes of um of a, of a pre-x files world is really interesting to to look at it if there was if there was a show launched like this tomorrow um Internet culture has changed everything, but but just the execution of the show for this shitty little place called Fox back then. Yeah, like their first. I mean, the 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 it it really does come down to casting. Like, it's, it's Gillian Anderson and, and and David Duchovny were like really good looking and <laughs> and really interesting to watch talk. And they were talking about werewolves and and yeah. saucers, and it was. But the the, and the pilot was. Was was struck that perfect balance between a kind of pornographic intrigue and and almost boring, boringly grounded. Yeah, like grounded it just enough to make you be able to suspend your uh, suspend your disbelief. Yeah, and I think that's why the show works so well is that the two characters are so grounded and they have such sort of realistic motivations all through the entire run of the series, almost till the end you know they these characters stay pretty consistent yeah and, and they, i mean they get more and more dimensionalized as they go they yeah. they they kind of i think i feel like it takes a page from the law and order playbook where it, it's like the show was very plot driven and all the ancillary character stuff was so sparingly rationed out that when you by the time you realize that David Duchovny's character likes sunflower seeds, it was like a big find. Yeah, even though he's eating them in the fucking pilot. Yeah. He's eating them. But what was great, I think, uh, episode four, Conduit, which to me, as a logically plotted episode, it's not the best one. It doesn't really answer all the questions that kid who can sort of see, you know, the ones yeah. and zeros coming through his TV. It's not explained. Conduit is, as I watched it today, I thought... This is really, really big on a an eight of the ten things that made X Files super successful. Yeah, which have to do with atmosphere, character, grounded character. Um, it, 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 the one two two things that it's bad on are like story, yeah, and internal logic. But I think what I thought this was an important one to watch and talk about because this really sort of spins Duchovny in a slightly different light. What we've seen so far in the first three episodes is that. Duchovny has like sort of weird ways of, you know, uh, he has like weird ideas, but he's a really, really great investigator. And you mm -hmm. see that in the first three. He's doing what makes sort of sense logically if you expand your mind a little bit. But in the fourth one, you, we see that his obsession with finding his sister he, he becomes, gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, he's it's, Howard Hughes in this one. He, yeah. He does things that are counterintuitive. They, don't, they make no sense anymore. Yeah. The and dark I, side of working with... With 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 the with Fox Mulder, yeah, yeah, you you certainly see that like he's a dick to that sheriff for almost no reason. Although that sheriff is a massive dick, he's like yeah. the most just most judgmental. Well, he's sheriff. bragging about, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. slut shaming the victim, <laughs> the girl they're looking for, Ruby. She's you know the sheriff is just saying, well. She had no shortage of boyfriends. Yeah, he's like... She probably is out fucking and sucking. <laughs> it was really through the lens of of, of today's gender politics. But, yeah. Uh, like, like, that guy was a really finely crafted villain. Well, it's also that guy should... I mean, even if she was a slut or whatever, even if aliens didn't take her, this is still an unsolved case. Yeah, like, you, don't, you should know by now not to talk to the FBI like that. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> you don't know that this, this is spooky Mulder. This is the FBI. Speaking of which, one of the most interesting... Well... Yeah, one of the things that really spiked my interest at the beginning of the episode is that this is the first time you're three episodes in, and almost as if it was some network note or a writer's room note, um, this is the first time that um, 
uh, Scully is, is having a conversation with her boss about uh, the budget about yeah. the idea that Fox Mulder is allowed to say, let's go to Iowa. Let's go to Indiana. Yeah. The first three episodes are him saying, pack your bags. We're yeah. going first class to Saskatchewan. Yeah. Where the Bigfoots are. And, and, and this is the first episode where that that's actually introduced as a quasi plot device in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. He's, he's specifically telling her, I'm going to not let him go to this thing because he saw it in a tabloid headline. Then she says, um, I'll talk to him and let me get back to you. And then she goes to him and he, he points out some more interesting shit about the story. But the scene that's missing, which seems really important. That's right. Is that is her going back to her boss. Yeah. I, I wonder if it was shot almost. I wonder if it was a long episode. Yeah. I mean, they, they should have at least been like her, just her tech. Well, they didn't have texting, but just like sending an email or something. Cause it is true. He says, you can't go. She talks to Fox and then they're on their way. Yeah. There should it's, have been a quick as scene. If just because he intrigued the audience enough, uh, <laughs> that, that got them their plane tickets when actually the opposite yeah. is the case. Like you're, you're introduced into a world where the audience is cooking down there in that boiler room with Fox Mulder. We want to go hunt Bigfoot, yeah. But the man won't let us, and they said so they they left out that 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 scene. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of fascinated by that. There's a lot of internal logic stuff um, in this episode that that you you completely let go because um, uh, what a show! What a show, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, so the internal logic stuff. Obviously, I thought it was fantastic that the reasons he doesn't want to send him is not like, you know, later the conspiracy develops and they're specifically targeting Mulder because Mulder's getting onto some shit. Here, it's not that they just don't want him to go because they don't have the budget to send them to Iowa because he read something in a tabloid. That's, yeah, that's crazy. I yeah, mean, that's especially, crazy. Especially if the FBI, as we'll later learn, is up to their hips in. You know, trying to keep Fox Mulder from from learning the truth. Yeah, but here is just specifically a budgetary thing. And we were talking earlier a little bit. This is a slight digression, but you said how this show sort of typified the uh, uh, Bill Clinton era in the U.S. And we were talking about how, you know, at that point, we didn't really have any external threats. And yeah. America was like the big dog. It still is, but... So X-Files sort of typifies that, you know, it's government conspiracies. They're the bad guys. Yeah. The bad guy is internal, obviously. This is nestled in the crab claw. Uh, exactly. That, that sweet crab meat with the pinchers are cold, the Cold War yeah. and 9-11. That's exactly right. This is, the, <laughs> this is the only time that that show could have been made. Like, we just passed the Cold War right before a plane flies into a building. We, and here we are talking about... We were about mistrustful of FEMA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was our <laughs> biggest minute, problem. These guys are going to... Yeah. And, yeah, uh, because we could be because it was yeah it was it was okay the Russians are dead, um, but what about all this government? It, yeah, uh, and it wasn't. It's so funny that during the Bush administration you didn't have a show like this on the air. No, it was you like trust nobody. Yeah, uh, fear what you think you know, and meanwhile we're being run by a fucking crazy war machine. Exactly. Um, but it was the, the reason we were is because we voted it in because we were because something some shit went down. Yeah, it used to be aliens would come during the Cold War. All the sci-fi was aliens coming and giant ships shooting at us. Then when the Cold War is over, it's aliens making deals with the government, and then now we're back to aliens showing up in spaceships and yeah. shooting at us now oh. it's just dumb now everything's dumb and if, you're, <laughs> if you're under 40 and you're listening you're dumb <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch x-files get smart get smart but uh i was gonna say uh what were we talking about before we sort of got yeah so i think that this show sort of typifies that thing of like you know that the, the government is involved but there are two kinds of threats on the x-files one was the conspiracy and the other were, were these like crazy liver mutants that slipped through the yeah. cracks you you know? well, that was a great thing. I think, that, I mean, I was always inspired by this because um, I had seen interviews with Chris Carter where he talked about it. I had never been conscious of this before I saw this show and heard it talked about. This isn't, this is pre Blacklist. This is pre Lost. This is pre network TV getting in a knife fight with basic cable, pre basic cable getting in a knife fight with the internet. There wasn't, for you kids watching, like serialization is a crutch. In television, uh, making making people feel like they have to have seen a previous episode in order to understand this one, in my day was viewed as uh, profane. Like it was, it was like throwing sand in a fight. You know, it's like yeah. like like okay, he beat him, but is yeah. he a hero? I don't know. Yeah, kicking someone in the nuts. Okay, so maybe now we live in this new world where two two million viewers. If you, The Walking Dead is a soap opera, every, every every show is like whatever. But but back then. 
like television still had that had to pursue this goal of modularity where each pearl was a pearl and yes they string together and you can wear them around your neck and fans can get into the linear nature of them but you still had to uphold in certain circles this illusion of each each rock of crack gets you as high as the other rock yes. of crack it's yes. not it's not a process it's not a cocktail yes but if oh. you've been doing the other crack, maybe you get slightly higher. But if you're just doing the middle crack, you still get a pretty great high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's never, t- never too late to start or stop. But um, the so they had the X Files was strung together by this uber mythology about yeah. the smoking man, and but then they got into the monster of the week stuff, and it yeah. it, 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 it that they really pulled it off i mean it really was like this heart pumping like the different chambers of it worked just perfectly it i i I, I have nothing to say about it it's just like but i think that that was this is at a time and it's it's notable that this is at a time when that that lungfish is starting to develop the idea that you can do both um and that that's a craft that's not pursued by modern drama writers yeah it's either one it's either one or the other it seems like there's no they're either like super uh you know one straight narrative all the way through you can't jump into lost you or know, you just have garbage you or just you have, have fucking garbage or you have like, stuff that like yeah comes and goes like every every episode is a is a hard reset and you start you, you start out from the beginning uh, one uh, more general thing about the x-files though speaking of the clinton administration yes, and all this stuff yes. like you can I, it was also striking to me watching these first four episodes that um the the absence of cell phones because X Files oh, became yeah. a huge cell phone show. Yeah, it was it 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 was the way that I Love Lucy or Gilligan's Island or Beverly Hill Beverly Hillbillies they straddle black and white and color television. So there's some all of a sudden one day yeah. my favorite Martian is in color um, because it straddled that advent. Uh, X Files like straddles cell, cell phones, phones and as, the internet. As narrative devices, yeah, uh, the, and you know that there were cell phones in existence at the in 1993, um, but it took a while. I remember I'm that old. I remember that it took a while for us to stop looking at cell phones as a, an obstacle in storytelling. <laughs> like we would look and go, like, oh, you can't make horror movies anymore. If oh, we're gonna yeah. really acknowledge that these things exist, you have to figure out a reason. Yeah, why. every horror movie for three years had, had like jump through hoops to take away the character's cell phones. Like it would be like, I dropped mine in water. Oh, yeah. I'm not getting any bars. Yeah, I didn't charge no my battery on Monster Mountain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they should have used Verizon. <laughs> the- uh, but Scully and Mulder are walking around in these first four. They they're using hotel phones. They yeah, zero for assistance. There's not a cell phone inside. Yeah, and I know from from for having watched all all the seasons that eventually the show becomes really cell phone cell phone driven friendly. Yes, I, yeah, it does. Like it's it's a big deal. Like stories are driven by who's who's on the phone when and who's got their cell phone and who they're calling and texting. Well, what this show can do a good job of is that because you know the the nature of the conspiracy becomes so big and so strong uh, that. They sort of limit how much they can use cell phones because a lot of times it's like, hey, we can't use the cell phones because they're listening. So they can take the cell phones out of the equation when they need to because, as you said, they can be such an enemy of horror movie plotting, you know, like just call 911. But they put them in situations where they can't really do that. Um, What I said, uh, what I liked about the episode, you know, we said that, you know, two of the 10 things it doesn't hit. But what it does hit really well is really gets into Mulder's obsessiveness. And the mom whose, you know, uh, daughter gets... um, uh, uh, goes missing. They do a good job. Carrie of... Snodgrass. Yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar, and I just for, what? Lo- uh, for some movie in the seventies. Um, here, I actually have was it. it uh... She was gonna be. She was like kind of a big deal, and then she quit because she married Neil Young, I think, Jeez. and decided to not do anything else. Here, I'm gonna find this. It's it's uh, it's right here. And then she died in 1994 while waiting for a. Uh, a liver transplant. Oh God! She, yeah, in the Fury. She. Uh, oh no, no, no! Here it is. A Diary of a Mad Housewife, 1970, Best Actress Oscar. She was nominated what for was it. What was she? Go back earlier than that. She was in something earlier than that. It was like a big deal. Oh, this is all I have here. Yeah. Let me see. Carrie Snodgrass. She died. Uh, but but that character, they do a good job of being able to verbalize a lot of stuff that Mulder can't say about himself. So we sh- when she says, you know, people always get this look in this eye when they, right. uh, when I tell them the truth and, you know, look, 
the look that you have right now. She says to Scully. And that's kind of, you see, like, that's what Mulder lives with, is people giving him that look all the time. That was one of my, that's big internal logic thing, is that she was on a Girl Scout trip at Lake Okoboji um, when she was a girl. She took an Instamatic of a flying saucer. and That's right. I, I feel like that's like a wedgie as compared to the full-on physical assault of having a being abducted by aliens like she kind of yeah she really really jumps in uh as an advocate of uh, abductee shame uh (laughs) for for a girl scout who saw a pretty flying thing in the sky when she was a kid like i don't i don't know if she's experienced i think they call that abductee splaining now on tumblr um she was in uh no, 1970, Diary of a Mad Housewife was her first big thing. Before that, she was a small part in Easy Rider. Speaking of cast, I don't want to jump the gun, but uh, Donald Gibb as the bartender, Ogre. <gasps> oh, that guy. I don't know him, and I've only, I have only know him as Ogre, but he was really acting the fuck out of that scene. Like, yeah. he's swinging for the fences. Like, when he looks at... I remember there's a part where Scully hands him a business card, and he looks at a business card as if it's the first time he's seen paper in his life. Like, he's really, like... He's really <laughs> playing to it. He's he's really, like, going for that scene. He's really going for it in that scene. But, I, but what I think this uh, episode does really well is... Um, really uh, sort of shows you what Mulder feels like. Like we said, that scene where, you know, the woman says the thing. And then there's another scene later where Mulder says um, to her where she, you know, uh, Carrie Snodgrass, whatever her character is, she's like, hey, I I don't want to say this anymore. I want to put this behind us. I've been saying this stuff. People think I'm crazy. And Mulder says something like, yeah, but it's the truth. So he's justifying what he's doing. Like he believes this stuff to be true. Uh, which is why he feels okay, like sort of bringing shame upon himself. Right. Uh, he's justifying what he does through her. Yeah, it really. It, it, I found myself as a uh, the, the episode made me wonder how I would feel in real life if, when I was eight years old, my sister was. Yeah, what would you abducted. do? Like, I, I feel I, I, I I'm just gonna throw this out there. But I feel like if my older brother was abducted by aliens when I was a kid, I would have, I would have spent like an hour <laughs> dealing with the gravity of it and then just enjoying extra peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> and then being like, well, that guy's gone. Kids are pretty like yeah, sociopathic until yeah. <laughs> they have to have conscientiousness ground into Yeah, them. he's really held on to it. He, he really loved his sister. It's... Yeah, he really did love his sister. <laughs> well, you f- sort of comes out later that he sort of feels a little responsible that he wasn't able to pr- prevent it. Well, that's you a know? great thing that this episode drives home. They take something that's part of the popular culture of abduction mythology, which is the paralysis. Yes. Which a lot of people attribute to... Uh, the sleep chemical that par- paralyzes your body so you don't thrash around when you have nightmares. Um, we've oh, all, I didn't know about We've this. all woken up in the middle of the night um, sometimes having this paralyzed yeah. effect. I think we all have. It's a freak occurrence. The chemical in your body that, that, that makes your body hold still uh, like the, as as a natural part of sleep, and it goes usually hand in hand with, with with being totally asleep. But every once in a while, you got one and not the other, and that's when you have those waking nightmares where you feel like there's something sitting on your chest, or there's someone in the room, and you can't move. Um, it's a it's a common occurrence, and people attribute yeah. th- uh, a, a lot of alien abduction mythology to that because people report being frozen, feeling like. Someone was in the room with them. I've had that happen to me. Like I, I, I really like, 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 and not being able to scream even. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> but you know, there's a documentary someone was telling me. I haven't seen it on Netflix called "The Nightmare." That is exactly about that. And what it does is it goes through every culture and says how similar that feeling is, and how all of, uh, almost every culture in the world has a very similar mythology. Uh, that sort of explains why that happens, and it's usually kind of supernatural, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of like, like there's alien stuff, but then there's also like demon stuff where you're sort of trapped and you see these things happening and you can't move. So they take that very popular thing and they actually turn it into an emotionally grounded thing. Yeah, that he feels like he could have saved his sister and didn't, and that's why he is a 29 year old. This episode also establishes his age is 29. Uh, 29-year-old FBI agent uh, relentlessly 
uh, trying to get to the bottom of all this shit. Cause yeah, he, I th- if this is the first time you see him here. Uh, you, you hear him say, uh, "I want to believe." That's yeah, the last, that's the line, last of line of this episode. Yeah, it's the last line of the episode. I want to believe, and I think that's such a great sentence because it's you know the show eventually becomes a lot about like Scully's faith in Christianity and religion, sort of contrasted with her faith in science and how those sort of wor- uh, how those work together, how they actually are at odds with each other a lot of times. So she has these crises of faith based on you know science and empirical evidence and you see in this one the first time that Mulder has this faith in aliens and a conspiracy because he needs to believe that because he needs to believe that his sister is still alive and somewhere out there it's not that he believes it's that he wants to believe right well faith goes hand in hand with subversion when you're not the controlling power it's all fine and well to talk about skepticism and science being valuable in a society where reason is in control that 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 really resonates with a Clinton era like democracy. That's like going. What didn't we tomahawk missile like Iran last night? Like didn't we? Or, I mean, like like what, what is this stuff about the cigars and the pussies and all this stuff? But, like, aren't we aren't we just doing what the government always does? Are we not like 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 in the the it it, it we faith is required when you are occupied Judea faith is required when you, when you're in the matrix, uh, like because what other weapon are you going to use to get out of an Orwellian situation than something other than logic? Because they use logic to box you in. They tell you, for instance, that if UFOs were real, that, we'd be seeing them more often. Right. They'd use logic to make right. you feel like you're insane. Right. Um, so it's a beautiful, like, conspiracy theory mythology is a beautiful expression of just raw, anti-authoritarian human spirit. That's really interesting, because that ex- is exactly what Mulder is. He's very anti-authority, and he has this sort of yeah. illogical faith. Like, you know, this is the first time you see him uh, well, uh, he know, says what, in this episode, she she questions his uh, impertinent uh, assertion, and he says that's what that's what science is. You start with the impertinent, yes, and you, and you arrive at a pertinent conclusion, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a really beautiful you, quote. In other words, you start. I mean, that's true. A hypothesis is uh, you, you're. There's no such thing as a wrong question. Uh, are white rats smarter than brown rats? Are rats with red eyes smarter than rats with blue eyes? Um, you ask a dumb question. You ask something insane, right? And then you and then you go down a rabbit hole of experimentation. Uh, you arrive possibly with either an affirmation of the status quo or an incredibly revolutionary new idea that's been tested by your your heroic journey. And UF, UFOlogists and Bigfoot fanatics and Kennedy assassination aficionados—they're—they're they're, yeah. in their in their brightest hours. They are—they are people who are worshiping at the altar of of a of a better God than anybody because you should never ever ever trust the president you should never, <laughs> should never trust anyone in a tie you should never trust, trust no one yeah, it's yeah. Like, like, like it's a better place to be yeah but i think this is the first time where you sort of see that Mulder, you know he's not a completely unbiased scientist going no, he's into gonna, this he's, 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 he's going he's, in with an agenda like he's yeah. like looking for a specific answer he's abusing he's, scully's trust in him yeah you know he's not but it's a, there's a beautiful ballet there between the two of them four episodes in she the pilot's description is she's assigned to him to debunk him but she gets pulled into his bullshit um <laughs> the way that happens is he yeah. doesn't trust her he knows fully well that she's there to spy on him yes she insists that that's not true because the idea of spying on someone is an unscientific idea so she needs to prove to him that she's scientific but she's so committed to logic that she is also a fanatic that's right Hey, so this episode is uh, brought to you by Squarespace. As I said earlier, it's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com slash xfilesfiles, um, and you'll get 10% off and a free trial. That's a great deal. Uh, And fun fact, these guys actually, I'm on an HBO show called Silicon Valley. Watch the show, created by Mike Judge. It's a great show. I'm on this show. 
and they uh, created the Pied Piper page for the show. So the show is about this uh, product that my character and four other guys we sort of come up with called Pied Piper. And the website, we sort of made a fake website that, you know, sells this fake product. And Squarespace is the one that actually made the website. So that's fantastic. Why would you not, why would you not do, if it's good enough for HBO, it's good enough for you. Uh, it's simple and easy. The design, you know, it's, it's very easy to design. There's drag and drop content. So instead of programming, you can just drag stuff onto the page, see what you want it to look like. You could do that. You know, I used to actually do uh, website development. I used to make websites. I used to use this program called Macromedia Dreamweaver, and I was very, it, this is an old program. It was hard to use. I wish I had Squarespace. My life would be so much easier. And if you run into trouble, which you won't, but if you do, they have a 24-7 support through live chat and email. It's located in NYC, Dublin, and Portland. Dublin. Plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which, you know, you're going to sign up for a year. What, you're going to just have a website for 11 months? Who's, who does that? Nobody does that. You're going to have this website forever. So just start at a year. Um, the, you can do an online uh, store. Every site comes with an online store. So if you're selling something, set that up. That's easy to start, e easy to set up. Uh, start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. No credit card required. Who does that? Nobody does that. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code XFILES files to get 10% off and to show your support for the XFILES files. And I um, wanted to thank uh, Squarespace again for supporting our show. Squarespace, a better web, starts with your website. In this episode, you see a couple times when Mulder is coming to conclusions that aren't really supported by the evidence as much. He's he's making a bit of an extra leap. Like, the, you know, he sees that the tops of the trees are burned and stuff. Going from that to UFO abduction is a pretty crazy leap. A lot of that stuff, yeah, a lot of, I, I didn't, I, there wasn't enough cause effect. You're right. Uh, they, they would... They would be investigating one lead and then they would look out the window at the at the burnt top of the camper yeah and that, that would make him go to lake wilba goby boby but yeah. but he would he always had that option that's where he yeah, just go there place. you know that that's you where it's need happening a burnt camper top to tell yeah. you that well what was going on with that kid he sees the ones and zeros and first of all they show just half a page of ones and zeros and from that they're like these are missile launch codes or whatever but yeah. then also like bits of you know i think it's stuff that we've sent into space that he's that this kid is seeing I, but then they'll also see that the ones and zeros form a picture of his sister what's That's that about the silliest thing what is that, that about any reddit user would would jump on is like the 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 poetry of that moment is realizing that the kid is is writing in little kid writing ones and zeros and binary code is immutable binary code and the uh, the idea that you could walk to the top flight of stairs, <laughs> look down and see that some of the ones or zeros are darker than other ones and zeros, and therefore viewed from a distance are a picture of your sister's face. I mean, that one is that's it's, real. It's goofy. a real offense to the idea of the first conceit, which yeah. is that the kid is a conduit for yeah, so, binary code. So wait, he's all. So this is also like yeah. uh, four seasons by Vivaldi or whatever, <laughs> but it's also the face. Yeah. Of the also, system. the pressure on the stylus is a factor. <laughs> this is a, this isn't binary code. This is sixty-four bit. Uh, yeah, this is ASCII. This yeah, is <laughs> yeah. This is like when you see like a dick on Twitter that somebody made with just. Yeah, this is like a pr proto emoticons. And that and the seeing her face again made them go back to the lake that they could always go to. That they could they always wanted, go to. That they went to once, and the cop told them go away. Yeah. Yeah, so like logically. Oh this wait, I'm sorry, I'm mixing two episodes up, didn't I? I just, well, I just... Okoboji, they know it right from the beginning. That because Ogre yeah. tells them that that's where the and even before no one they... ever tells them to get away from the lake, right? Well, the first line, the first time she goes to Mulder to be like, "Hey, this is ridiculous. This is from tabloid." He says Lake Okoboji has been a hotbed of UFO sightings for you know sixty years or whatever. So he knows that that lake is like that from the beginning. Right. So there's no reason. So every time someone, you know, they find something, they keep going back to that lake. They could just go to that yeah, lake and skip la everything else. The lake else. keeps being gone to as the result of an epiphany that's not really connected to it in a cause-effect way. Right, exactly. And because right from the beginning, they've known that the lake is a place yeah, that they it's should It's like be they're going playing to. a video game RPG where it's like, oh, I haven't been to the lake in a while. Yeah, exactly. Let's see <laughs> what's there. Are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could level up a little bit. Um, <laughs> the lake... Um, I read in some trivia about it. Somebody, they, they, because there was a section on IMDb where they point out goofs. 
Uh-huh. Uh huh. And one of them was that they misspell Okaboji oh, for the entire they? episode. But I I was curious about that because that person's starting assumption is that they're talking about the real life like Okaboji, which is spelled with an I at the end. And I I want I don't I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like it would be a legal issue to just use the real lake's name um, unless it was possible for a, a small town to sue you. I think they just wanted maybe like a mythical quality because if people are like, well, Okoboji with the eye doesn't have a history of UFO stuff. Well, no, that's not the one we're talking about. Right. This I, is I, like, I don't feel like that kind of thing is possible America. to be a mistake. That's the thing. Like somebody, some, someone with a clever eye thought they were catching a gaffe, but I actually think that was probably very intentional. Well, this is the one thing I've learned is that it's kind of good that the internet wasn't as uh, ubiquitous when Exiles is happening because a lot of people i looked up trivia on this episode too a lot of the people who are big x-files fans were really into fi- finding like just poking holes right so like this episode they they you see Mulder's like sister's birth date and then later it's different uh, so everyone's jumped on that like also people her are, middle initial yeah her middle <laughs> initial you saw that too it was, it's t in this but really it's anna or right. something yeah i had this someone got me this book called uh, the nitpickers guide to x-files or something like that and uh and I started reading it, and it really pissed me off. It was all people focusing on the wrong stuff, you know. It's all like but this some kind people, of shit. Some people, that, that's the, I, what I've come to understand, having done community, is that everybody experiences everything differently. And um, for some people, that actually is what you and I call enjoying something. I don't, is, is that really true? I, I, yeah, I believe that. Enjoying? I think that people, there are people in this world who have... Um, did you see the YouTube video where the guy alphabetically went through Star Wars and listed the goofs? There's like a no, I haven't seen no. This. It's it's simply a list. It's Star Wars edited in alphabetical order by every word that's used in Star Wars. I don't know how to explain it more than that. Verbally. I know you explained it, and I'm terrified. Uh, it it it's 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 the it's a monument to uh, either OCD, Asperger's, who knows what you would diagnose. Effort it as. for sure and focus. Um, it, I, I, there's a what, what the internet has has revealed to us um in a almost disproportionate way is that there's a there's a there's a huge population of people out there that watch things through curation they they like to catalog they like to analyze they like to curate there's a community fan who's just obsessive about the production schedule he just can't it's just part of watching the show for him he needs he emails or he he tweets and reddits about he's missing a production code for the script and it's like 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 my 28 year old brain would be like hey knock it off just just enjoy the show and then my 41 year old brain goes oh no 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 that would be like saying to a woman hey knock it off just have a penis like we're all yeah, different okay it's yeah. a, like, like, like like everyone's brain is shaped differently and that guy loves watching community and has a spreadsheet of every episode's production code that's so interesting because just last week we did our commentaries for the um for silicon valley and i tweeted it we did it and this this guy was like oh good because i'm really obsessed with project production schedules and i responded and i was like hey you're being kind of a dick it's kind of funny but <laughs> you're being a dick he's like no i seriously am because i know this week you did this and this week you did this so i wonder if it's the yeah. same guy but this guy's like making a calendar in his head I mean, or not even in yeah. his head like and you would never if you met if you if you met matt bronger and you went over to his house for drinks and he invited you into his basement and revealed that he was really into model trains yeah and that he and that and you reached out to touch one of the model trains and he kind of delicately slapped your hand and said please don't because the coupling on these on these trains is scaled to because this yeah. kind of engine and if you touch it the vibration will actually change the particle weight of the plastic and so that won't be to scale like you would you would make fun of him but you would also go oh my god this is an amazing thing because it yeah. wouldn't be about Com- it wouldn't be about comedy or TV or anything. You'd be like, oh. Oh, yeah. So for a lot of people out there, they watch television the same way, that, with the same kind of brain that they're that someone might make a ship in a bottle. They, they, they like kind of obsess about details. Yeah, and I've certainly found that, you know, looking for trivia about the X-Files and stuff, people get really obsessed with the details. Yeah. And I think the cool thing is that if you did launch an, an X-Files in, in this world, it, if you wouldn't be able to have that, like, effortless joy. But 
you could say that about all TV. I mean, Orange is the New Black needs to be, it needs to have a lot of verisimilitude. Like, people watching it need to feel like these women are really in prison. They're not yeah. allowed to feel like they're watching Gilligan's Island with bars on it. And I think with sci-fi, we keep upgrading our, our if, you wa- if you launched a new X-Files, and what I'm saying to you is, let's do it, uh, I'll be Scully. <laughs> um the 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 like you would have it would i think there's a modern equivalent to it that would be resistant to the writers would have to work harder yeah i mean a good example is edge of tomorrow comes out and it has the ba- same basic plots you know the same basic conceit as groundhog day whereas groundhog <laughs> day is a fairy tale edge of tomorrow explains the science behind why this is happening mm. it has to explain why you know this guy's reliving the same day over and over um, Groundhog Day just gets to be a fairy tale, which I which I think is fantastic too. But Groundhog Day, you could easily release tomorrow, and it would it would win an Oscar, wouldn't it? Is there anything about Groundhog Day that wouldn't hold up? To no, I mean Groundhog Day is one of the most perfect comedies. I yeah. think. I mean, it's it's really good. I did think that would be great if it does a subplot in Edge of Tomorrow is also really good at ice sculptures. Like, <laughs> also, I've been doing this on the side. Um, there's a there's a scene at the end um, where Scully sort of. Is listening to his hypnotherapy tapes, yeah. is that allowed? Can you just listen to those? Uh, well, I, I, my brain went to the same place. I, my brain filled in the blanks um, that Mulder was, is so obsessed with this stuff that he actually submitted his own hypnotherapy sessions. Yeah. He's an adult on the tapes. I think that, I think that like Sigmund Freud testing cocaine on himself, like, like, like Mulder is like an irrational Howard Hughesian. Um, FBI investigator that, yeah. that that bothered to that considered it an act of rebellion to go to a reputed hypnotherapist and go through and like, regression Look. therapy and bring the tapes to yeah. his boss and go I'm putting this on record you can't stop me it's also a great <laughs> way for Scully to get a real insight into Mulder's like obsession you know when he says like he's been he says something like he walks into the room with his eyes closed hoping she's there and he's yeah. walking walk, been walking into that room every day of his life He and he keeps walking into that room for the rest of the series I think this is the first First time where you really, because so far Scully obviously really likes him, and she sort of knows about his obsession, but she's sort of following him, you know, logically. Like he sort of makes these, you know, connections that have been logical. This is the first time where they're a little more emotional than logical, and she now understands that. It seems like this is the episode where she really gets on board with Mulder yeah. and his his uh, mission. Yeah, which coincides with that phrase you mentioned, I want to believe. That's the closing line of the of the episode. And it's more notable that unlike the previous three episodes, that phrase is now used as actual affirmation of it uses as it presupposes the existence of aliens. Isn't this the same episode where his inside man, uh, or is it the previous episode? No, I'm sorry. Which the, one is it? The previous we can episode. We could talk about it. Uh, uh, not not skipping over tombs. Uh, deep throat. Yeah. Uh, ends with his friend on the inside, his mysterious guy who yeah. talks to him at urinals and things. Yeah, deep throat. He yeah. says to him on the track and field. The, 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 oh, they've been here a they've long. They've been here a long time. So they're introducing the idea that you, if you thought this was a show about whether or not this stuff was real, no, we're slipping into a world where no, it's real, but um, you're your molder, and the part of you that Scully is actually just the more deprived part. Yes. You, you, because she often gets knocked unconscious throughout the series, and then and then the werewolf says to Mulder, remember, <laughs> werewolves are real. And then she <laughs> she wakes up and rejoins him and is like, oh, what happened? And oh, like, you're not going to believe this. Something you won't believe, Scully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she does her Doogie Howser report at the end of it. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. The first three episodes, she really does the Doogie Howser report, right. and then they kind of let that go. Yeah, They were yeah. like, oh, this is what it should be and they're like oh we don't need the doogie house report at the but end the idea of him saying when he says i want to believe at the end of this episode he's not saying it in response to the question uh do you or do you not want to believe in aliens he's saying i want to believe in response to the hypnotherapist saying do you believe the voice that's telling you she's going to be okay right yeah. Do you believe that the aliens are good or bad? Right. That's different from asking if you believe that aliens are real. Right. Uh, we're, we've now, we're, we're, we're drifting into building on the foundation of the existence of aliens, which I thought was really cool. 
because I kind of mouthed it along with them. I yeah, think I, I said like, "Do you do you believe the voice?" And I mouthed it with the episode. I want yeah, to I want to believe. Yeah, they they really ended that episode on a fucking great high note. I mean, it was it's a little sort of on the nose that he's in a church at the end when he's talking about yeah. you know I want to believe and that kind of stuff. That this is sort of his religion. This is his church. But this episode and the one you were talking about with the Mr. Mulder, they've been here a long time. Those are fucking great endings. Yeah. Like that last line, like and they sort of um uh it really is like a thesis statement for the for the whole series. That those the they really knew the show right from the beginning, huh? I it was very fully realized. I think well that that's the impressive thing is that it was really fully realized in its inception. It also though was super adaptable to what was going on. It, it, it definitely moved and evolved with the fan response to it. I feel like, like uh, from Gillian Anderson's look, like her hair. It, oh like, yeah. Like to actual tone. Like it became a very realistic show over time. Like, like because it was almost like you can sense the show realizing how much everyone wants to believe yes. and 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 subsequent seasons like maybe it's just camera equipment getting better but but it just started, <laughs> the show starts to feel um like uh, more dramatic more 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 like the wire <laughs> yeah it really does well it's got this whole like mythos that it keeps building on and building on so by episode five it doesn't have to explain everything it can just like point to hey remember season three well now that's all there and now this is what's happening after that yeah, yeah one wonders because it's th that that god only knows like having having done tv production myself i i would the only thing i know is that i have no idea what was going on in terms of uh, the original plan in terms of the ratio between Monster of the Week and yeah. the mythology stuff. Because the, the pilot is very steeped in just sort of general, grounded UFO yeah. theory. Lost yeah. time and... Kind of, they just they just sort of they cast a relatively wide net and just sort of yeah. like go okay it's and then second episode was what was the that was uh, deep throat right yeah that's deep throat so so then the third episode is stretchy liver man yeah <laughs> and it, it makes me really wonder because like did they was stretchy liver man gonna be the second episode was it in response to network notes did was Chris Carter's original vision to do stretchy liver man like 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 what what was you know what what was the fluke and what was the original blueprint it really does feel like the second episode is just them like restating the pilot kind of in, in a more specific less vague and general way yeah. and then episode 3 yeah I mean that is interesting I don't know were there no are there no other shows that have followed this blueprint of having like Monster of the Week and it's like it's pretty a unique trying to balance it I mean Outer Limits uh, was a response to Twilight Zone and the, the the network was like literally said I want a monster and a beautiful girl every episode beyond that whatever just imitate rod serling and um it but there's no such thing as a mythology to outer limits there's no and so it's like you have before that you have soap opera you have drama you have linear drama where you have to have watched a previous episode but that's very rare and then you have modular TV, which is like you try to make a franchise like Ambulance Drivers. Yeah. You love the Ambulance Drivers. Kevin. I'm Tom. <laughs> I drive the ambulance. This week, Ambulance Drivers deals with sharks. Exactly. Because Jaws yeah. came out. Next week, Child Ambulance Drivers. <laughs> um, ambulance Driver Babies. The, 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 yeah, the, the idea that they... That, that these guys would touch in on on this larger, creepier conspiracy in between life-threatening, totally crazier garbage disposal monsters. Yes, exactly. It's it's such a it's amazing that they pulled it off. Yeah. I actually I like I find I mean I 
I like the craftsmanship of the modular Monster of the Week episode. Yeah, I, there's some really, really great ones. I mean, you saw Squeeze with the first time you see Eugene Tombs. That's that's a, that's a fun episode, and um, they did a good job of like that that balancing the threat that comes from a very like um, organized place, and then the threat that just comes from randomness. Right. You know, like the tiny towns. And another thing that this show did a really great job of, you know, so you have these big conspiracies, these, uh, but they always sort of situate them in how they affect like the people. So in this one, it's really about Kevin and his mom and how it's, how it affects them. You saw Seth Green, like you, you see that Mulder really sort of takes to these little people who are like <laughs> affected with this stuff, you know? And I yeah. think that the show continues to do that. There might be like an alien conspiracy and the government's involved, but it really comes down to this guy we're going to meet Max Fennig pretty soon, who's a guy who's been abducted a bunch of times, and he starts having these seizures. And you really see the um, compassion that Mulder feels for this specific guy. Yeah. There's a, uh, speaking of uh, Scully uh, and her concern for people, the, when, they, when Ruby comes back in this episode, um, there's a point where uh, Scully is doing CPR on Ruby. Yes. In the dirt. Yeah, CPR she, in the dirt. And she's saying while she's doing it that Ruby is alive but unconscious. Yes. Um, which Why not, is she doing CPR? I'm not a doctor, but I think you, you, gotta, you should definitely stop pushing on someone's chest. <laughs> yeah, she's just the, in a coma. Alive but unconscious is the goal of CPR. Yes, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. You should be, if you're pushing she's on someone's choking. chest, you should be saying, she's dead, but I think I can squeeze Revive her heart uh, enough to make it think that's it's That's right, that's right. <laughs> hey, she's in a coma. I don't think we need to push on her chest. There's nothing, st she's breathing. Breathing. This is fine. Um, so, uh, and then what I did was, so, so overall, I think this episode, we're, we're going to wrap it up in a second. Um, you know, I don't want these episodes, these us talking about an episode to be longer than the actual episode. <laughs> oh, is that your rule? That feel, though it feels slightly, you know, counterintuitive, but I think, you know, in the beginning, hopefully you'll come back and talk more about, you know, yeah, uh, specific yeah, Monster please. of the Week's episodes later. But I think what's been... Um, uh, well, well, this episode is an important episode because it establishes the relationship in Mulder's obsession and Scully's relation to that obsession. And the, this is like a relationship, you know, this is an episode that's going to pay off in the years to come. On its own, it's got some flaws that we've sort of talked about. But if you were going to look at it as a movie, it would be a badly written, like, story. Right. Um, the story itself isn't that, that tight. There's a lot of holes in it. But what I did was I went on xfilesuniverse.com and I found like trivia for this episode. And there's a couple of uh, interesting ones. You know, we sort of talked about uh, how her birthday changes and the middle national changes. That's not as interesting to me. This says uh, the organization that Mulder mentions to Darlene Morris, the Center for UFO Studies, CUFOS, is a privately funded UFO research group. It was founded in 1973 by Dr. J. Allen Hynek, a professor of astronomy at Northwestern University. Uh, Dr. Hynek was also a top sci uh, scientific consultant for Project Blue Book, which was the U.S. Air Force's official study of the U.S. UFO mystery from 48 to 69. He started off, Dr. Hynek started out as a skeptic and helped the Air Force to debunk UFO reports. He gradually became convinced that a small number of UFO cases were not hoaxes or explainable, or, or explainable as misidentifications of natural phenomena. And in these cases might uh, represent something extraordinary, even alien visitations from other planets. When the Air Force shut down Project Blue in 69, Dr. Hynek decided to establish his own organization to continue to study UFO reports. And he served as a technical advisor for Spielberg in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So this guy was a hmm. skeptic, brought in to debunk UFO reports and actually became a believer. And this um, organization is still around and doing stuff. In, uh, it's based in Chicago. Well, have we talked about whether you, the host of the X-Files file? What do you think? I, I, I talked about it. I've talked about oh, it. I, don't, I, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I knew for sure. Oh, yeah. We were not alone and that they were flying around in tin cans and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I've always been obsessed with it. And then I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I don't. Because I know for sure now that the expanses of space are so ridiculous that we're not we're definitely not talking about taking off in a vehicle from one planet and arriving at another 
as if you were getting on the five right and going to Dodger Stadium like right. it just doesn't it, it, and and so that starts to lead to okay if we're being visited we're being visited through means that we don't understand yeah well there's wormholes you can es- right, exploit which starts know. to really bend your mind and i mean why you would ever see anything flying up in the sky therefore (laughs) all right yeah what happened like you guys fucked up and now we can see you (laughs) right yeah i mean and why are you bothering to fly (laughs) yeah exactly if If you're like bend time yeah if you're uh, interdimensional and just put make magic pants right <laughs> uh, and also don't be a uh gumby be a black cloud of nano swarms yeah why are you a gumby that's uh, right well so i <laughs> well a lot of it, i mean like the most intriguing i've always felt because i read a book where a guy was talking about that and saying well those are probably just biological robots in the future, if we advance enough as a civilization it would be much cheaper to gen- use our understanding of genetics to breed uh, quote unquote machines than to build them out of nuts and bolts. Oh, which I love because these things are kind of insectoid and they're, they don't, they, they, they're spindly as if they're almost like animated puppets. And maybe they are. They're like golems, you know. They're like, yeah. they're like just flesh that gets squirted out of a Taco Bell gun on a on a automated flying saucer that built itself, you know. Okay. So, <laughs> if so, mankind ever colonizes space, we'll, we'll we're gonna we're gonna have better luck with casting a wide net. You know, we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, Spencer was explaining uh, recently. My assistant and dungeon master was saying like one one way that mankind will probably colonize space is to launch factories into space. That whenever they come across anything mineable. Uh, you, that will turn it into resources and make more of itself and uh-huh. continue to just keep sending it out keep sending so that because because you're never going to find anything by sending by shooting a gun in the air with a right. bullet the smartest bullet in the world right you're going to you're going to find something by casting a net right running That's a comb right. through the universe and that would involve the creation of life on some scale Right, so maybe that's what's happening. It's maybe that's what we are, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Mind blowing. Uh, yo, this is yo, 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 yo. Do it. Light it up, light it up, light it up. Yo, yo, Moldy Scully in the trench coats on the cell phones. Don't that molds. I got a she's being a gibberish. gibberish. I want to start making sounds. I'm gonna rap so fast you don't know they're not sounds. You think they're words, and I'm rapping real fast, but I'm not. I'm talking like glass. You X files to break it down. I think it's out there. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I think it's out there. <laughs> I want to believe. Uh, just a couple more trivia things. Mulder fires his gun for the first time in this episode. He fires yeah, it in he the fires air. it up in the air. Yep. To scare wolves. Yep. It was Alex Kansas' idea to have Kevin's sheets of binary code be a picture of Ruby. So, well done, dude. Fuck you, Gans. <laughs> really fucked that up. <laughs> uh, and then there's a long thing about how the ones and zeros that the uh, people get that they say is launch codes. Oh, they that, can capture it now. Yeah, well, they said that, there's, that that would be such little information yeah, that it would know, really be nothing at yeah, all. Yeah, I was always thinking that. That's so funny when she's showing the things. Now, what is the... What, do you, what did you take that to actually mean when the woman is saying... Um, uh, uh, do, is the kid receiving our own satellite transmission? Well, this is what I try. I tried to make sense of it. So it's all this stuff that you know we're sending all this information into space in case somebody finds it. That's sort of known. You know, the, sending these, the Da Vinci's. You know, the, the what's that? The man drawing, uh, anima man. I yeah. Know, what are they so we're sending that, and we're sending this music. So I think v- v- maybe v- v- Vivaldi man. Yeah, Vivaldi the man. Vitruvian. Um, that. So I think it's maybe that if aliens are coming, they somehow have captured these signals, and then these signals are somehow coming through the TV, and this kid can somehow... That's what I didn't love, is that it didn't really yeah, give I you mean, enough for kid, it to even make sense. That kid was introduced too late in the episode, and they never resolved the story. Yeah, it, they it, never really... It, the kid just drew a bunch of weird shit. It was a neat idea, 
but ultimately led to them running to a lake and doing what you do with a normal kid, which is keep him from getting run over by motorcycles. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's crazy. When you see the light, you're like, that's clearly UFO light. No, it's a bunch of motorcycles. Well, it didn't look like a bunch of motorcycles lights. It looked like a UFO light. Um, also, uh, I have 23 questions for that motorcycle gang. Yeah, well, why were they not <laughs> about ever... About their MO. Yeah, what are they doing? Why did they show up so at hey, the end? Hey, do you guys want to get some coke and keep getting fucked up on this bar we own tonight? Yeah. Or would you like to get on our street motorcycles, ride out to Lake Okoboji, and giggle while riding over <laughs> yeah, dirt hills? What are they, what are they doing? <laughs> exactly. Hey, Death Tombs, are we like a BMX gang? <laughs> I told you never ask that or I'll show yeah. you my weird ear. Again. Ooh, just, oh yeah, he's really <laughs> proud of that weird ear. Um, thank you so much, Dan, for coming and talking about the X Files. We'd love to have you back. I want future. to believe that I will be back. Well, um, you can trust no one, but you can trust when I say you will be back. <laughs> wow, that was. I worked real hard. I worked harder than <laughs> Ogre did in this episode to tie that up with a bow. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. See you next time. Alright, thanks for listening to the episode. Next week we've got Ricky Carmona on. I've been friends with this guy for 12 years. He's a very, very funny comedian. Huge X-Files fan. And we're going to be talking about Ghost in the Machine and Ice. So we're skipping a couple of episodes, but we're landing on Ghost in the Machine, um, which is a pretty... You know, it's not an amazing episode. I like it because it's sort of, you know, one of the things we keep talking about on this podcast is the technology sort of contextualizing the con- uh, the, the technology that was around, uh, you know, when, when X-Files was happening and what people uh, thought of the technology. You know, this is when sort of computers are starting to come into everybody's houses. Um, and I think it's an interesting uh, part. Uh, it's an interesting episode from that standpoint. Uh, and uh, ICE which is a really, really great episode. And, you know, it's sort of a riff on the thing. X-Files at its, at its best really sort of riffed on really great, like sort of uh, classic high, sci-fi and horror movies. And Ice is a really great one. And it ends up on a lot of best, you know, 10 best X-Files episodes of all time. So that's a really, really great one. Um, getting a lot of great emails from you guys. Please keep emailing us. The X-Files files at gmail.com. So any suggestions you have would be wonderful. Um, and, um, if you, you know, have any way to, you know, if you know anybody who wrote for the show or anything like that, you know, send them our way. Uh, follow me on Twitter at X-Files Files or follow me as a person at Kumail N-K-U-M-A-I-L-N. I also run the, um, X-Files Files, uh, Twitter. That's at X-Files Files. So tweet at me, email me, um, and have a great time. Hey, wrestling fans. And non-wrestling fans. Check out our podcast, You Should Love Wrestling, the show where we try to convince our friend Hi. to love wrestling. I hate wrestling. We talk about all the best and worst parts of wrestling. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Spills a lot of beer. Or Yoshiko. That's a literal sex doll that wrestles. All in an effort to help you love professional wrestling. Subscribe to You Should Love Wrestling on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.